This is Two Girls, One Mike, the show that talks about the holes and plot holes of your favorite porn. Welcome to Two Girls, One Mike, the porn cast that knows you're trying to masturbate quietly at your parents' house this holiday season. I'm your co-host, Alice Vaughn, and with me is my other lovely, beautiful, gorgeous, stunning, sexy, alluring, slightly troubled, uh, co-host Yvette Dondremont. Uh, Yvette, how are you doing today? A little disturbed at how hard you're trying to fuck me today, but I'm down. I'm down. <laughs> I mean... Jesus, all you had to do was say, you're looking cute today. And I would have been like, my tits are out. What do you, well, let's go. Let's lube it up. Will they, won't they? Will they, won't they? But yeah, I'm, I'm doing pretty damn well. I'm, I'm about to, after we're done with this. And I mean, we've already mentioned this a little bit, uh, in passing. I'm about to hop onto Cybabe after this and, and announce to, announce to my people from upon my balcony that I'm moving to Spain. This is officially a thing that's happening and I'm excited and I'm scared shitless and it's, it's so, it's nutty. But yeah, that's a thing that's happening that's completely unporn related. I mean, who knows? Maybe I'll be doing porn in Spain. No, that's not a thing that's happening, but we'll still, the (laughs) podcast will still be happening. It's just, we're going to have to wrangle with some time zones uh, and that's going to be fun. You know, we're already wrangling with time zones though, but I love that. Actually, you're going to be five hours ahead of me because since I'm such an early bird, I'm never going to feel guilty about texting you anymore at seven in the morning. Oh yeah, because it'll just be 2 a.m. Uh, or Wait, no, what time? I don't even know. Five hours ahead. This is me just not mathing right now. It's, I'm a great scientist and I can't add five hours. Well done, Yvette. But yeah, it's, I, uh, my husband and I have a job offer at, and here's where my life gets really neat. It is a cannabis extraction and research lab. Oh, yeah. I get to move to- That's like the to, best science you could do. I get to move to a really cool city and use my degrees. And of course, I will still be writing for Cybabe and doing some of my projects, but just going to move to part-time. I'm going to do fewer of the events. And I mean, since I'll be living in Europe, it's not like I can get a cheap flight to all of the local events. So, you know, I might do one or two talks a year within the skeptic community. I know there are a few European skeptic-y things that I can go and speak at, but- Really, it's going to be mainly doing that and, you know, some writing and, of course, talking porn with my BFF. Uh, and that's going to be fun. So, yeah, I'm excited about this. It's a big move and I'm going to get fluent in Spanish after being vaguely conversational for a bunch of years. And you know I'm going to visit you. Oh, you'd better. I'll be very sad. Our guest that we have on, because we're having a threesome, we're having an MFF threesome today, or an FMF. Our dear friend, is it okay if I give the intro? Do it. I have known this guest, I've known of him since before I knew him, because I was a big fan of Pendulette, and he mentioned this person all the time on his podcast, and he's a videographer, a comedian. He was in charge of, I believe, the videography and the editing for the movie the Aristocrats, the wonderful movie that covered the uh, the world's filthiest joke is told by the top 100 comedians on the planet at the time. Emery Emery, real name Emery Emery, is our guest today. Emery, thank you for hanging out with us. And I didn't even have to show you a tit for this one. No, I, I remember your tits. I thank <laughs> you so much for having me. He has video recording of him. It's probably there's been there's been a tit out before probably. I'm surprised there's not a mold of your tit on the wall somewhere around here. We did talk about vagina molds. 
I have one here, you know. Tat Gray gave me her vagina. It's hanging above the bathroom. Nice. Oh, my God. We could do vaginal art at one point. You came to my birthday party where I had the avant-garde pussy cupcakes, right? Yep. Th- this is the where we are in, in my life is pussy cupcakes. I'm an adult. I tend to lick the icing off cupcakes anyway. It was kind of perfect. It made sense. And they were filled with cherries and marshmallow cream, so they were squirters. I thought that added to the effect... Or it just made a really goopy mess. Look, I just wanted to fatten you all up for my birthday. That was my plan. <laughs> Anyways, so we have Emery on today to discuss the movie uh, Behind the Green Door, but we have a, we discussed a little bit of other stuff for the Patreon content, but the magic of Emery is beyond all these other wonderful things he does is he has been in a porno. <gasps> Technically, you are our first male guest who's been in a porn. Oh, wow. This is true. Unless Tom Arnold just hasn't said something to us yet. <laughs> He's a young lad. Things could change. He could take his career in a new direction. I have faith in our good friend, Tommy Arnold. <laughs> you landed yourself in a porn. How- Tell our listeners a little bit about what was it like going from someone who really hadn't planned on this to one day being in a fucking porno. The producer I knew was doing a luckystranger.com and he would just find amateurs who wanted to do a scene or, or do a movie. He was short one week trying to find people who were interested. So he called me and said, do you want to do one? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And he came over to my place, set up my place as the shoot location. He and I went down to 7-Eleven and we started rolling. I walked out of 7-Eleven into his camera going, hey, have you ever thought about doing porn? And I'm like, uh, uh, who hasn't? And then, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm fucking his porn star right here on my couch. Wait, the couch you're on right now? This is the couch it happened on, although there was a sheet over it. Mm, magic happened on that couch. I did jokes while I was fucking her. <laughs> kind of hoping you were about to say, oh, we had a scene in 7-Eleven. I was going to ask, how did you use a Slurpee machine? <laughs> I was thinking more of the nacho cheese sauce. Oh, man. No, I would definitely push her over to that Slurpee machine and I would just fill her up first with that. And then slurp it out? <laughs> <laughs> Which objects could be used as improvised dildos from within a 7-Eleven? Like, I personally like to shop for improvised sex toys at Home Depot. Mm-hmm. Well, you know they have all those wieners under a heat lamp. Right. You want to let them cool down a bit. Have to get them to body temperature. Of course, there's always the grapefruit. How many hot dogs could fit into a vagina? I thought that the second you said it, by the way. <laughs> Great minds. Uh, right, right. Depends on the size of the hot dog and the vagina. Right. Standard hot dog size, standard issue. And I'm more of an artiste, so I would just want to put one hot dog right there in her buns. <laughs> <laughs> just lay it out across there and kind of titty fuck style. There you go. <laughs> there are things you can do with this. Yes. As they say in the in theater, use the space. As any emergency room tech will tell you, everything in 7-Eleven has probably been inside someone. I'm thinking of the giant bottles of antifreeze or of uh, of, of windshield spray. Oh, right, right. Antif- yeah, yeah. Antifreeze and windshield. Yeah, I suppose <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's not... not I'm just every- thinking about all the shelves of Doritos, just... Why not? Someone sticking a Dorito in there? I don't know. Maybe? Snack? Don't do the flaming hot ones. (laughs) Cool Ranch. Cool Ranch is a safe bet. Why do I feel like she's speaking from some sort of experience right now? Because I love me some Takis, (laughs) but I mean, those hurt on the way out. (sighs) Yeah. 
I'm going to tell you guys a story about the producer who put me in a lucky stranger that just kills me. I got a phone call really, I don't know, early evening. The phone rang and it was my friend, the producer of A Lucky Stranger. And he goes, Emery, I got one for you. He was driving home from a shoot he had just wrapped. And he goes, I've never heard of this. Have you ever heard of this? And I said, do tell. He goes, so we had a Lucky Stranger shoot going on and it was amateur and he couldn't come, which is common for this. I mean, the, the performance anxiety of these poor guys, it's higher than 50% failure to reach orgasm. There's a lot of, pre I mean, most people haven't had sex in a room with people holding sound equipment, cameras, and yelling Yet. directions at them. And so you're all one fuck away from being a porn star, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you never know when that camera crew is going to show up. Whenever it's time to wrap the shoot up and he's looking for the money shot, I, I, I presume your, your, your listeners understand the, the vernacular. If it's not coming, he'll say, is there anything we can do to help? You know, is there anything? Because a lot of people have specific kinks yeah. that can get them there pretty quickly. It just so happened this kid says, uh, do you have any hot sauce? And the guy goes, um, hot sauce? Yeah, like hot sauce. Like just, yeah. I'm and worried. So he goes, okay. And he goes to the fridge in the house where they're shooting. He finds some Tabasco. I presume it's Tabasco. And he comes over and he goes, here you go. And he goes, here, just put a drop on my finger. And he puts a drop of hot sauce right on the fingertip of the kid that's doing the scene. He reaches back, rubs it on his ass, starts fucking, and comes within 30 seconds. Know thyself. That's incredible. This is why we do try yeah. to promote this on the show. Try things. If you're curious, if... But not all the things. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that sounds... Like, you know, maybe maybe don't shove, uh, you know, a... I have a follow-up story, actually. Oh, yes. Let's hear, let's hear it. So years ago, one of my uh, best friends, and this was not my personal experience, I'm telling her personal experience. So she wanted to spice up for the holiday season, a uh, little fun with her uh, boyfriend at the time. So this, so during the holiday season, because this is technically a holiday episode, she dressed up in a cute little Santa costume, you know, short skirt and all. And uh, she decided to get one of those jumbo candy canes. Now, I think everybody knows where I'm going yeah, with this. Yeah, we know where this is going. Yeah. Oh, we've already gone there. She unwrapped mm. the candy cane, used it. She also ended up in the hospital, so. Yeast infection or just... No. The well, burn. First of all, there's, there's a minty... Yeah, the burn. And wow, she should have just started douching over and over and over again yeah. until it stopped. So I'm just I saying, whether it be hot sauce or mint, know your limits, know what works for you. Right. Do a little research before you start jamming stuff in. But my point was try all the things, but, you know, maybe Google to see if these things will land you in the ER and all, in the bad pain first. And try all the things that are sex approved first prior to resorting to shoving inanimate objects or hot sauce and or candy canes into places. I was a common decision away from killing a girl once with my wait, penis. Wait, wait, what? We need what? the story on like, this. What? Like suffocating her? Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, that is correct, but not how you would imagine yet. I had a girl come up to me in a rare, I didn't get this a lot as a comic, but when I did comedy, every once in a while, someone would flirt with you. She flirted pretty aggressively, and she was a virgin and told me so. And she said, I've been wanting to lose my virginity. One of the funniest people I've ever seen in my life. I, I, I want to lose it with you. And I went, I, how can I deny you? So we went back to my hotel room in Baltimore and 
I'm a communicative partner, always have been, always will be. I said to her, this is your, your virginity. This is a big moment for you. It always goes bad. Let's do our best to make it go great for you. That's really and I, sweet. And I said, so I want you to tell me exactly what you fantasize happening. We are doing nothing you don't want to do. Let's talk it out. Let's figure out what works in your head. And let's talk about what makes sense. She goes, well, I'm not ready to lose my vaginal virginity yet. I'd like to lose my face virginity, my oral wow. virginity. And I went, that's cool with me. How, would, how do you see it happening? We talked it out. And she goes, what really turns me on the most is imagining me blowing you till you come. And then you come on my tip. That sounds so romantic. And I said, that's so easy. You earned that with your good humor. I, I, I did earn that with my good humor. And that's exactly what we did. And the minute my semen touched her breast, everywhere it touched, welted up instantly in the most aggressive and horrific way I've ever seen. Her chest was covered in welts. Holy shit. Herself. That poor girl. That's so horrible. Yeah. It's, yeah. Allergic reaction to one of the her, compounds. If she was turned on by deep throating and swallowing, it would have been awful. Or just swallowing for that matter. She, I'm, I imagine I would have had to shove a pen in her throat. You can be allergic to semen? Yeah, you absolutely can. Apparently, or something in it. Fun fact. Or not so fun fact. I yeah, mean, yeah. That's horrific. Fact. I'm going to look that. I mean, I'll, I'll do a, a quick hunt on it and maybe write up a little thing for our site. It'll be our site's first scientific article. A, a semen allergy. <gasps> oh, my God. Wow. That's both delightful and horrifying. And a good note to our listeners. Like, it's, I think some people are hesitant to have sex with a virgin because, you know, there is a stigma on it. Oh, they're going to get attached. Like, you know, make sure that you both have a good experience out of it. Ask what they want. Don't, you know, make sure they're okay. And for fuck's sakes, it's fucking. Make sure you both have fun. Yeah, I, I love... I was in my early 20s. She was probably 18. Uh, she could have been 17 or 19, but I think she was... I'm pretty sure she was of legal age. And I was in my mid-20s. I would have been in my mid-20s then. I even remember that I was, I was middling for... I don't remember who I was middling for, but I remember that the host was Blaine Kapach who was at that time going by Blaine Damage as the MC of that show. And uh, Blaine Capatch is a brilliant comedic L.A. writer. He's just a genius. Wildly funnier than virtually all Yeah, of I like to think everyone's wildly funnier than me, but it makes me keep on feebly attempting to not suck. <laughs> <laughs> Occasionally funny comes out. Why do we get to actually our porn today? So, Emery, you recommended this porn behind the green door to us. Why did you choose this porn? Well, first of all, uh, it was one of the first I ever saw. There were two I saw around the same time because they were both pretty hot when I started seeing porn and, and, and being introduced to it. Uh, and that was um, Deep Throat and Behind the Green Door. And Behind the Green Door was a significant moment for me as a kid. And when I made The Green Room, it became another significant moment for me because we couldn't stop making Behind the Green Room door jokes. Behind the Green Door and Deep Throat, if I'm correct, I believe they came out around the same time. And actually, it's widely considered that... Those films, uh, along with The Devil and Miss Jones, yeah. those three films were the ones that really helped usher in the golden age of porn, uh, which was from 1969 to, of course, it begins on 1969 to right. 1984. Yeah. The movies from that era, because we've seen a handful of them now, they're sexy, they're funny, they're experimental, uh, and they go to some 
weird places. And I dug those so much. Like the ones that I've had the most fun with have been the really well done thorough parodies that follow the plot point from the original and commit to some really out there comedy. And then these older ones that are like, let's do this thing that I had an idea about when I was on acid and let's add boners. Like those are just, those are great. <laughs> yeah. Behind the Green Door was offended. It's 1972, the same year, released the same year as uh, as Deep Throat. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was uh, three or four years after that that I started experiencing porn. Well, I have a lot of background on this film, actually. So do you guys want to hear some of the history and what, you know, came to making of this? First, let's give people a quick little synopsis. The film features Marilyn Chambers, who made her debut in this. The film, first off, the plot summary, which will way get into so much deeper in a second. No pun intended. The film uh, told the story of a wealthy San Francisco socialite, Gloria Saunders, played by Marilyn Chambers, who your guys are going to have way too much information on by the end of this. She is taken against her will to an elite North Beach sex club and loved as she's never been loved before. And unusually, uh, Chambers does not have a single word of dialogue throughout this entire film. So from beginning to end, the most she speaks is moaning. That's it. Pretty incredible. She moaned really well, though. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you're going to do something, do it well. Roger Ebert felt so, too. This got reviewed by, by Siskel and Ebert? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You got four thumbs in. <laughs> <laughs> So Marilyn, actually, she made her uh, debut in this. She was also, if you guys are familiar with the 1980 porno, Insatiable. Insatiable is a huge top-selling adult video from 80 to 82. She's also been in the XRCO Hall of Fame. She was also called one of porn's most famous crossovers, but I'm actually going to argue that because although she did a handful of mainstream projects, I would hardly say she was a success in her crossover to mainstream. She struggled for years to find work as an actress because porn Porn always hindered her opportunities. Yeah, which sucks. Let's get into the nitty gritty. So actually, how this whole thing came about, in 1972, she saw an advertisement in the San Francisco Chronicle for a casting call in which it was billed as a major motion picture. So she rushed to audition only to find it was for a porn, which was to be called Behind the Green Door. And she was really dubious about accepting the role in this film, fearing it might ruin her chances of breaking into the mainstream. She was right. She was really turned on by the fantasy of the story and decide to take a chance under the condition that she got a really hefty salary and even 10% of the film's gross. Good negotiating on her end. She leaned in. Yeah. And what's really great is she also insisted that each actor get tested for venereal disease. Was that uncommon? I mean, I know- Unheard of. I know porn was like kind of a new- Wow. Yeah, it was unheard of. I think she was the first actress to ever even concern herself with that. It speaks more to, and, and it was a self-preservation thing. She wasn't trying to break ground or anything. She's an intelligent woman and she was just being careful. So they eventually caved and said, okay, yeah, we're going to do this because we need a wholesome blonde actress. And actually what's really interesting as well is, so I happened to find another actor's narrative of what went down at the time and they were speaking about the contracts and I was really interested because apparently uh, they wanted the Mitchell brothers who put on this porn, they wanted everyone to be there at the same time. 
so they could hustle through faster and there would be a lot less questions to answer. He said, hey, we're going to pay everyone more money than they've ever been paid before working in a porno. But the majority of the portion of the money would be deferred for six months. Even the extras would be paid a minimum of $100 a day, but 75% of the money would be deferred. Nice idea monster headache to, you know, collect. But I could kind of see why they did that, where it's like, you know, I, I assuming they wouldn't, if they didn't have the capital up front, they can do it later. Although I just, I don't necessarily agree with that. As long as you don't tell people, hey, we're going to pay you this week and then be like, checks in the mail. Like I've had structured contracts where they've uh, said, look, you know, we're only getting paid from our people for this conference three weeks later. So can we pay you six weeks later? Uh, and I'm like, look, as long as you give me a small deposit, like that's, you know, this is, that's a thing that happens in fr- in contract industry. So whether it's public speaking or fucking on mm-hmm. camera, sometimes they have to stagger the payments. Well, they also wanted a contract because how long do you think shooting for this lasted? Hmm, I don't know the answer to that one. Nail and Palin only lasted like, what, three, two, three days? So I, I'd, I would be shocked if it lasted longer than two weeks. It actually lasted lasted for four weeks. Wow. Wow. That's long yeah. for a porn. Damn. And it was all mainly one set. Like it was, it took place across like what, three sets mainly? Yeah. And th- that's the thing. They wanted to have people also sign contracts. So they had not only a moral obligation, but a legal obligation to be there from start to finish because they were thinking, well, if you give people a chance to think about it, they'll often have second thoughts and back out, <laughs> especially in porn. But the question I have is, you know, especially since, you know, how can you say a contract's legally binding that? you know, you have to show up when you're showing up to perform something, which I think was considered maybe performing to be illegal. It would be hard to hold up in court because it seemed like the film would be evidence that they had conspired to commit an act of oral copulation, which something people could be brought up on uh, potentially uh, charges for or conspiracy to commit oral copulation on circumstantial evidence. Conspiracy to commit oral copulation. Wow. Yeah. It, this movie and a couple others caused the whole legal system to redefine what porn was in an attempt to stop it, in an attempt to shut it down. Of course, the opposite happens when you do that. And she was kind of swirling around uh, the middle of this, and by that I mean Marilyn Chambers, because she had she also had landed the Ivory Soap Girl ad just following the shooting. Of this oh my film. God! I thought she did that prior to getting this film. Oh 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 yes, she was known as that when she got this film. Then when the film became a nightmare, if you will, legally speaking, then if I'm not mistaken, they they pulled their they pulled her part her ads right. They shut them down, which yes. gave the mm-hmm. the film more notoriety. I think. Yes. Did I get that right, Alice? Streisand effect. Absolutely. Yeah. And they actually and maybe you guys can explain this to me. They capitalized it by billing her as a 99 and 44 slash 100 percent pure girl. <laughs> 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 Am I too naive? Is if anyone is unfamiliar with the old campaign from Ivory Soap, is that the ingredients were ninety nine point forty four percent pure? So they could say she was a good pure girl. They were playing on their previous ad campaign. Is what they were doing. That's hilarious. I mean, I instantly thought of that when you said she was the ivory girl. I'm like, oh, they have to play up the purity thing or someone, (laughs) someone had to have. 
Procter & Gamble not only recalled all the products and advertising materials featuring her, but they actually what? required, yeah, they required all the ad agencies going forward to thoroughly screen in, uh, the background of any female model employed for print or advertising or commercials moving forward because of that. What about men? That's what I'm wondering. They said female models, Ooh, but great. I don't know about male models. I'm pretty sure they didn't bother with the male model. Yeah, I could go on a long rant about but that. But how much did they use? I, 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 did they even use male guy, males for their advertising much? I, I don't think they I did. I have no they, idea. We're, we're scratching the surface of another patriarchal lottery ticket here. That's an interesting question. But I mean, I, I think historically, women are always shamed more for sex. We're shamed more for, it's like you had sex outside of trying to make a baby. So it's interesting that somebody lost a gig or, you know, ha was removed from the work she already did because she got another job. It's just, it's very strange. They just didn't want the brand associated with it, unfortunately. That's the stigma when it comes to porn. So quick question, budget-wise. So how much do you think they ran this on and how much do you think they grossed? I don't know what they grossed, but I think it was, was it 60 grand that they spent to make this? Correct. I thought I knew that one. I don't know what they grossed, though. Nationwide, a theatrical release was, they earned well over a million dollars, oh, but wow. ultimately it grossed $50 million, including the video release. Wow. And all of it was controlled exclusively by the brothers that made this. Yeah. In 2018, that's equal to 72 billion electronic dollars. It's equal to a lot of Bitcoin, but, you know, next week it'll be worth, like, a penny whistle, so who knows? <laughs> Penny whistle. Thanks, Grandma. My theory about uh, <laughs> about Bitcoin is that a handful of people are going to get very rich. A lot of people are going to lose a lot of money. And like three people are going to go to jail. Probably accurate. I have a couple friends who have made millions on it. They got in early, bought like I think somebody bought 200. Like I think she like when they were worth a dollar per Bitcoin, she bought 200 Bitcoin. Or no, when they're worth 0 0.08 per Bitcoin, she put $200 into Bitcoin. Yeah. She's worth a lot now. I don't think a lot of people are going to lose a lot of money. I just think that they're not going to get yeah. the return they're hoping for. That's what I think. Have you looked into Initiative Q? I saw you uh, post about that. Could you tell me a little bit more about it? I have 684,000 Q and Q has no value today, but eventually Q is hopefully going to be equal to the dollar. That's the goal of all electronic funds is to, to become stabilized with the dollar. That's the whole that's the hope. I'm hopeful, but I'm also skeptical of how all of these work. Like, I just, I don't know where it's going, but I, I, one of my friends said to me, don't put, uh, and she's the one who made, you know, millions on this. Uh, she said, you know, don't put any money into Bitcoin that you cannot afford to lose immediately. Right. It's just like playing the stock market. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's a little less reliable than the stock market, I would argue. True. In my opinion, one of them is going to catch on and we're going to end up with an electronic financial system. It's, it's, that's an inevitability to me. So when the Initiative Q launched, Matt Kirshen got me hooked. He saw he, he pushed it out there and they're giving away value to people in exchange for sharing with friends. That's what they're doing. So he's got over a million and he says that apparently he says that unless I have more than a million Q, I can't go to his parties after five. So, oh, well, I mean, you have to get more Q. I mean, Matt does throw those like watch in the fishbowl parties, so I gotta, I gotta get on the queue. Matt, I've heard. I guess neither of us are invited. Eva and I, we're just gonna have to sit out. So sorry, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you'd make exception for hot chicks. Don't get me wrong. <laughs>
I'd say our May invitation's lost in the mail, but I get the invites. I just live too far away. You know, I've been throwing orgies. I don't know if you know this. And we do. Moving on. So I actually, so I have way too much information on Marilyn's history and biography, basically, post to this, but a lot of it's really relevant. So can I share? I love these stories. It's so great. So Marilyn, actually, she, as mentioned before, she really wanted to pursue having a dream in mainstream films. She had a falling out with the Mitchell brothers who put on this film. She left them for her new manager, uh, Chuck Trainer. Remember that name. It will be important later. But in retaliation, so first off, so a little wrapping up with the brothers, they created, first off, a documentary in 1976 called Inside Marilyn Chambers, which was composed of alternate shots and outtakes from The Green Door and Eve, another film that she made with them, as well as interviews with some of her co-stars. So basically, this was made without her knowledge or her approval, and she learned of it just prior to its release. She was able to negotiate a deal, so they offered her 10% of the gross as long as she would contribute to interviews and promote the film nationally. But it was like, that's kind of a dick move where it's like, hey, we're going to just capitalize on your success. Here's all the extra footage we have. Yeah, that's what Hollywood does, whether it's the porn side or the legitimate side. They just, they own the, yeah, they own the product and that's not an accident. It's on purpose. Can we find a way to make money out of your image that we took? Uh, that doesn't, that story doesn't surprise me at all. In fact, I suspect that there are similar stories for all of the iconic porn that most people can name, you know, deep throat, go on and on. And, and which, which story is the one with the woman uh, who says that she was coerced into being in it? So that's Deep Throat. Deep Throat. Okay, got it. Yeah. And didn't she turn into kind of an anti-porn crusader after yes. that? Yeah. For a period of time. And she said she was, Linda said she was used from on both sides by both the porn and the anti-porn industry. Which is unfortunate. Marilyn, as mentioned, she did want to go into mainstream. And she felt that, you know, having not only the success of Behind the Green Door and the Ivory Snow Girl would be a great stepping stone into other endeavors but of course the paradox is hollywood blackballed her for being in the porn mm -hmm. because even though it's a high grossing film it was still a dirty movie to them i say that if you're going to be in a dirty movie and you want to keep doing hollywood stuff and because and it's just because this is how it is right now go balls out with the porn makeup so that you're unrecognizable and use a porn name mm. i don't know if that would work right but it's worth a shot. Right. She did get several roles in, in Hollywood films in the 70s. Nothing too big. She did, although, uh, land the lead role in a low-budget Cronenberg film called Rabbit. And she did a couple of theater productions, had a singing career, published several books, did two sex advice columns for two different magazines. So she kept busy throughout the years. Can we get her on? Is she... Is she She's dead. Yeah. I was about, that was my next question. Like, is she... Unfortunately, she died a couple of years ago. Oh, and before I going to her death because that's also interesting she also ran for she ran for vice president on the libertarian party ticket in 2004 and again as a write-in candidate in 2008 I didn't know that. right before her death marilyn flew to new york to audition for the deep throat sex scandal a play about the making of deep throat and the obscenity trial that followed and here's a twist. So Chambers, she was supposed to play the part of Shanna Babcock, the best friend of Linda Lovelace. And in the play, Babcock tries to persuade Linda to leave the abusive husband, Chuck 
Trader. They were married. Do you remember that name I said to remember? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Oh, damn. Chuck Trainer actually was not only Linda Lovelace's ex-husband, he ended up becoming manager for Marilyn and was her second husband. Wow. This guy has a, has a bit of a pattern, it seems. It's a pretty specific pattern, too. Chambers actually never got a chance to perform on the Deep Throat sex scandals because she died while the play was in rehearsals. So on opening night, actually, um, they brought her ashes on stage in a favor to her daughter in an ivory soapbox. <laughs> well, well done. Well, it was mostly your ashes. It was 99.4% pure. A little bit of cum still in there. <laughs> Just a couple of thigh highs. <laughs> yeah, she lived in uh, up in Valencia or Santa Clarita area. Is that correct? Not totally certain about that, okay. actually. I do know that she ended up working eventually later on in her life at a car dealership, lived in a trailer park. Mm -hmm. That's where she died. So, yeah. What's going to take this lady in this car? What's going to take this lady in this car? A BJ? Such is life. So that's the background on this. Do you guys want to get it right into the plot? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a very in-depth plot. First of all, the thing that blew me away about it was the fact that she was like, it seems like she was literally abducted. Yeah. And forced, you know, what I mean? Uh, is, is that, did they do that? Is, is that what they did with, I can't remember the other woman's name. Linda Lovelace. Linda Lovelace. Yeah. Was, was that, was it the same storyline there? No. She couldn't come and she went to a doctor, right? Yes. Okay. All right. And the doctor found a clitoris. clitoris. Her G-spot was in her throat. Yeah. Clitoris, not G-spot. Here's your clitoris. Clitoris. Although I did find a porn where there is a clitoris on the back of the neck. Externally? Yeah. Yes. Wow. You know, they have to put it everywhere just to keep the porn festive. Rule 34. And to keep the guy confused. How are we going to be able to tell? <laughs> There's all this different stuff on the internet. Next day, it's going to be in your ear. Am I supposed supposed to fuck your brains out literally <laughs> <laughs> the only people who can find the clip easily is the kkk because it's right there under the hood oh here's the thing i really loved about that storyline and listen you know i didn't end up feeling turned on by coercing women you know that wasn't something that it didn't cause me to gravitate to that kind of thing uh, although i did grow up in the 70s and 80s and coercing your partner was part of the equation by default so maybe that's why yeah revenge of the nerds is now a, a, a movie that's problematic and once upon a time it's like oh this is just this is just how sex happens right right that's what's wrong with the feminist of today they can't seem to understand that times change over time which is a good thing yeah which is an absolutely awesome thing it's a positive thing that i and my sex partners used to play a cat and mouse game, but we don't anymore. It's a it's an awesome thing. Yeah, we've gotten better. Yeah, it's better. And those of us who understand that should be rewarded and not attacked for having lived through that other thing. You know? Yeah. Makes me crazy. But um, do you guys realize that one of the first feature length films in porn to show interracial sex was this film? Really? Yes. I didn't know this was one of the uh, the earliest ones. Wow. It's the Debated, uh, and I haven't been able to find online a definitive answer, but it's debated as to whether or not it's the actual first or not, and I don't know who else is up. And it was 
front and center, like the main uh, fucking that was happening for this. And it was really well done. Yeah. What year did we see the first kiss on TV, which I think was Star Trek, maybe? Yeah, it was Star Trek. It was uh, it was Uhura and her. Right. That was 1964, actually. All right. So we were 72. So we were eight years later to see two people fucking uh, white and black people fucking. It took eight years to go from a kiss to fucking. And I find that interesting. I had read a thing a while ago about how in most in movies you will almost never see a black man together with a white woman huh hmm. like in iRobot you see Will Smith hooking up with his you know cute female co-star by the end of movies a lot of the time he has a you know a thing with the woman who he's fighting the robots with through the course of the movie and by the end they don't really turn into a thing it's like this seems like the natural evolution but she's white and it's like a lot of times he'll end up with a black woman or a Hispanic woman Rosario Dawson a lot of the times he's ended up with her in like two or three movies but like it's not just a Will Smith thing it's very rare that you see a black man and a white woman as partners in a movie and I mean it happens but it's just it's not uh, it's not the assumption. Right, right, right. I, sh- I need to correct myself too. I said eight years. I should have said four. It took four years to go from a kiss to fucking. I was about to say, that is massive case of blue balls for the movie industry. Mm-hmm. Well, thankfully we're getting better at it. You know, when I saw it, I didn't think a second thought about it. There was no racial weirdness for me. I watched it as a young boy and I, it was just two people having sex. It's amazing how it's these industries make hay out of shit that nobody's thinking about. So let's discuss the plot a little bit more in detail. In the beginning, I was a little confused. So if you guys can start us off, because I know that in the beginning, we have what seems to be two men who are at a diner who are having a conversation. There's this red sign flashing eat. And I'm like, is this foreshadowing about a lot of pussy? I'm down with that. Heavy handed. Oh yeah. Lots of foreshadowing. But you know, they, they started, you know, quick conversation about this and that. And the other thing, did you hear the radio? They've got an Italian hijacker up here. He's ordered two pilots and uh, didn't make, you know, nothing that was relevant to the plot. And then the person working at the diner comes up to him and says, it's been a long time since you came through that door. Tell me what happened. You warm up my coffee and I'll tell you what happened. And then we were on a flashback down to uh, <laughs> down to what happened in this place. Now we see, you know, we get the credits, we get everyone that's going to be in it. And very shortly into, into what happens, we see somebody getting abducted. So it's not very far into this when we see an abduction. Technically, I think the eat sign would be post-shadowing. Technically. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, given that we're a flashback post-shadowing. We clearly see the same guy at the diner. We see the same guy who's recognizing Marilyn. And we see him later on in the film because he does have the third sex scene with her. But the reason that the press and the audience had a little trouble understanding the plot is that they were in such a hurry to get the film on screen. They spliced the last reel into the middle and the uh, middle reel into the end. And if that... Well done. So if that mistake wasn't enough to confuse everybody, the plot itself... Uh, so when Jim took over directing from his brother Art, he demanded a rewrite of the script, changing several people's characters. The main guy, he was changed from a junior ad man to a truck driver. And since they didn't have enough money to completely reshoot <laughs> the beginning of the film, they had to use film that had been shot before from both scripts. Basically, they just meshed together the best of both beginnings. Nothing that's explained to the audiences or really makes much sense. Well, that explains completely and totally why it was so confusing in terms of
terms of structure. Well, when I watched it, I, I was like, has someone just broken the movie apart and thrown it back together? That didn't make any sense to me ever. It just seemed like, to a certain degree, unrelated scenes. It's like beginning, we're at the coffee place, then we're, uh, we're at the building where all of the fucking happens, and then we're back at the coffee place, and then more sex. I mean, there is the basic layout of it. Right. And there's, you know, it kind of attempted to be a movie with a script and with a, a plot line, but it's like, there's, you know, you could tell there were perhaps a few balls dropped and not just on someone's face. <laughs> Since there was unfortunately so little conversation and so little sense that was made, I guess we just go to the kidnapping part. Yeah, I think that's where things start getting interesting. And that there's so much to talk about with the, with all the things that were happening in the sex. We should get onto that. So yeah, lady is kidnapped. <laughs> to me, it, it always just as as an adult thinking about behind the green door, it just seemed to stand for an idea rather than tell a story. That's where that's what I took from it. I think that works. It's like, let's not look at this as saying kidnapping is the route to sex and happiness. We could look at it as part of this woman's fantasy because later on she is back in uh, like, I'm sorry to ruin the plot on this like 40, 50 year old film. But you know, later on, she ends up back at a hotel room with this person who is telling the story of ostensibly this kidnapping. So obviously, this is, you know, this is something that was okay for her either at the beginning or the end of it. But like, it seems like perhaps the kidnapping was part of a larger fantasy. I mean, in today's modern age, this would be looked at as a kidnapping and rape fantasy, but it, it really is a ravishment fantasy. It's not uncommon that, you know, study after study shows that, you know, it's one of the most erotic and popular fantasies. It's not, it has nothing to do with the heinous act of rape, which is, you know, coercive, violent, but, you know, it's being desired. That's the orgasm, you know, that's the validating, the strengthening, the self-love that plays into the fantasy. So it's the illusion of just being wanted by strangers. Let's just be very clear that this is a ravishment fantasy, even though this is set up as a kidnapping. So, Yvette, maybe you can go into detail. So, after she's kidnapped... I like to call this the sexy kidnapping Aunt Lydia scene. There's this woman who lies her down uh, on the table. And it's funny because before they get there, she's in the back of the car on the way to this place. And she's kind of smiling. I'm like, she's oddly content and at peace for someone who's a kidnapping victim. But she gets to this club and slowly, you know, they start disrobing her. And this woman starts massaging her very gently. And this woman assures her... Her. This is basically line for line. I know exactly how you feel. Nobody's going to hurt you. My name is Gloria. I'm going to tell now. Whenever I hear the name Gloria, I go into New York accent. My name is Gloria. I'm going to tell you everything. It's like, <laughs> please speak to me in the tone of my people. This makes me actually a little hot. I know exactly how you feel. Nobody's going to hurt you. My name's Gloria. I'm going to tell you everything that's going to take place, but you have to relax. Let me try to... I need to help you relax. I was nervous until I had the most exquisite feeling I ever had here. Think only of how you want to entrust your body to my care. I've never been so turned on. I'm going to I'm gonna say that to you next time. I see, I'm just going to speak hardcore New York accent and be like, maybe, maybe then. I'm pretty sure that's Staten Island, but please keep going. I mean, my other plan is to go for the Elmo voice. I do a creepy Elmo impression. No, stop. I will fight you S scissor fight no scissor fight no please do the elmo voice i want to see the scissors oh christopher walken baby there you go that's all i got baby oh hello my name is elmo <laughs> 
it's yeah that's i did whenever i i want my husband to do a thing i will start speaking in elmo i'm like i wished up if you do the dishes like that's a uh oh i'm sorry i'm siding with your husband on this you don't see how long he leaves the fucking dishes for Anyway, back to Gloria and calming her down. So she starts She starts taking off the woman's clothes and starts pawing at her and massaging her and telling her she's going to have the most exquisite feeling she's ever had. And I'm like, oh, man, she's the Aunt Lydia of sex traffic. Oh, wait. Aunt Lydia does sex trafficking. She's the kinder, <laughs> gentler Aunt Lydia of sex trafficking, maybe. So there was a lot of lesbian porn in this. Okay, so let's set the scene for our audience who's never seen this before. It's a theatrical performance. You have 20, 30, 40 people in the audience who are going to be watching this performance, a lot of them wearing masks. Even before that, they seem to have a clown and a mime performing. A not-so-great mime, to be honest. I mean, I fucked a mime, and he did a better job of miming whilst there was fucking. I'm just saying. (laughs) That's a story for another day. There, There is no good mime other than Billy the Mime. That's just a fact. This is true. We do love Billy the mime who's billy the mime billy the mime was in the aristocrats he's the mime in the aristocrats okay so i need to watch a film he is a genius the art of miming is it's fine it had its day it belonged where it belonged and then along came billy the mime to tell stories uh like you know a woman's first abortion (laughs) yes i'm not kidding that is one of the things you can see billy the mime perform did he make a sequel I want to know Billy's thoughts on a woman's fourth abortion. I think that's much more salient. Like, yeah. I think Billy has good things to say about, or sorry, to mime about that. Right. So, this mi- so there's a mime on stage in this performance, and she goes off stage, and we hear a voice overhead. You are about to witness the ravishment of a woman who has been abducted, a woman whose initial fear and anxiety has mellowed into curious expectation. Although at first her reactions may lead you to believe she is being tortured, quite the contrary is true, for no harm will come to those being ravished. And in the morning she will be set free, unaware of anything except that she has been loved as never before. Perhaps you will recognize one of your friends in the role of the victim. Remember, you are sworn to observed silence. If you break this rule, you will be punished severely. So with the knowledge that you are powerless to stop the performance, just relax and enjoy yourself to the fullest extent. So in other words, hey, this woman who we just captured is going to get fucked. Mm -hmm. You can't stop it. Yeah, it's kind of a disclaimer in my opinion. That was an interesting way to open it up, but I mean, the audience is there for it. It's weird. It's definitely not a movie that I think anyone would make in 2018. I'm here for it. Yeah, right. We see our main character, played by Marilyn, who's dragged out. Emery, you were going to go into this. There are six women who have their way with her. Yeah, this is something I had never seen in my life. And that was something that kind of blew my mind, too. And understand, also, I'm not turned on by lesbian porn. it's, It's not something that does anything for me today. As a kid, it blew my fucking mind. It absolutely just blew me away. That's one of the reasons that this movie just stuck in my head forever is uh, it was my first introduction to that to that idea, you know? And it's very much a film of the time because there's a fair amount of bush. I mean, the bush is like an afro in itself. Oh, yeah. There was bush in this. These people hadn't even seen a scissors. All of my friends, listen, you may have covered this a thousand times already. I'm sorry if you have. Um, 
It makes me a little crazy. I, not all my friends. I have a small handful of friends who, for some reason, and I can't explain why, when you watch your friends become this thing that was their father, it makes me crazy. It makes me fucking crazy. And I, I'll never forget when he was like, I don't understand all this shaved, shaved vagina. What the, why, why are they shaving the pussy? Why, what, you know what, part of the turn on is the, the, how do you not understand that you were just introduced to the pussy? through the porn that you watched and through the pictures that you looked at and that that's why you think that, you dumbass. It makes me crazy. I have no problem with someone wanting to grow a bush. Heather has one right now. It's awesome. I have no problem with someone who wants to shave their pussy. And the people who are like, well, the only good pussy is the pussy I learned to jack off to. It makes me <laughs> fucking crazy. So there's my rant. I thought you were about to go into a rant of like, his pussy is the same, oh, or not his pussy, his dick is kept the same way as his father's dick and his grandfather's dick of, they all look at their each other's genitalia and style it the same way. I don't know if you're going down that rabbit hole. But yeah, like there are people who are like vehemently opposed to it or like it has to be clean shape. It's like, you know what? Why are you so annoyed with like, get that squared with whoever you're with and get over it yeah sometimes go get it styled at a salon get a perm <laughs> a perm let's get some wings put down there oh yeah let's do some let's do some balayage let's highlight it let's add let's add some streaks <laughs> now i have to look up another word you bitch balayage is the style of highlight that i have in my hair it's that thing where you have like roots built in <laughs> it's one of my peeves of petting it makes me so upset that people want to act like only one option is the right option for anything, period. I mean, you with porn, with sex, with relationships, there. I, I think that we need to get over this whole, like, it has to be sex my way. It has to be relationship structure my way. People have found a lot of different ways to make themselves sexually satisfied and to make their relationship structures work. So, uh, yeah, lots of bush in this show. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Credit where credit is due. Whoever was just licking it down there was really latching on. That was not Portolingus. The first big scene is mostly oral and then just kind of wraps up with fucking. Yeah. And that, that affected me, actually, I think. I'm very oral. I don't know. You don't know if that's what caused you to be what you are or whatnot, you know? We need to get deep into your brain, Emery. I don't know. Let's examine your sexual history, Emery. Let's do it. This show is for it. It starts with my uncle. You want to go there i'm ready as we say we've <laughs> talked about this one before <laughs> moving to the interracial sex we have our man coming out and he's wearing white pants and a necklace and his dick is just there's just a hole cut out of the pants for the dick you know i think all pants should be cut this way why is that not an option i, I think he was a well-known boxer or fighter is that correct oh wow did anyone know let's look that up i couldn't find that out but according to one of the actors on set as soon as he had come out apparently the scene didn't look right because he had a soft dick right the director yelled cut and said would one of you chicks give him a hand so we can get him up before he walks out <laughs> so one of the six girls on stage jumped up escorted him be uh, behind a door they wait a few minutes got back into position yelled action and uh he apparently looked definitely more impressive than before i didn't know that story where'd you find that story that's fantastic but apparently uh one of the actors wrote up their encounter of being on the set wow 
Nice. I love it. The fluffer era. Yeah, I, that makes me wonder if that was like the a forebearer to fluffing. It seems like, I mean, how long did the fluffer era last? Because, I mean, it seems like it's pretty much gone now because of Viagra. I feel like there still are fluffers, but I could be wrong. Hmm. If you're a fluffer, email us. We want to hear your experience fluffing. Info at twogirlsonemike.com. <laughs> we want to know about your experience keeping a porn star hard in between cuts. <laughs> Uh, he was a boxer, I've just found. Johnny Key. Nice. He had an amazing body. Her first heterosexual sex is with African-American boxer Johnny Keys, accompanied by Funk Soundtrack. <laughs> they played a Funk yeah, Soundtrack. Yeah, I mean, the soundtrack for this movie was fantastic. Yeah. It was interesting. I don't know if I would call it fantastic, just personal taste. Okay, the soundtrack when they get to the orgasm alone, and I know I'm cutting ahead a lot, but... I was impressed with their musical choices for that. Uh, we'll talk about that in a sec. So wrapping up actually with the interracial sex scene, it was good. I don't know. For me, maybe I just... Yeah. Yeah, it was good. I was impressed definitely more with her next sex scene. Yes. We have all of a sudden there are... It is not just one man. It is four. And it seems like the entire room at some point kind of turns into a writhing, jiggling mass of bodies. I kind of tried figuring out what the name of this position is called. I did some research because that's what I do. I do research. I take this very seriously. We do take our porn plot seriously. Someone has to. <laughs> there are two different names for this type of sex position. So to describe it to our audience. So it's when a woman is performing oral sex on a man in front of her. And then at the same time, giving hand jobs to the men to the left and right of her. That is called you're going to love this, by the way, Yvette. Can I guess? Go for it. Uh, she's masturbating someone on the right, someone on the left. Yep. And sucking off. Okay. So I've done this. I've been in virtually all of these roles. Bobbing head up, back and forth, and then jacking off two cocks. Wow. See, I always, yeah, I was going to go with skiing, which is a joke I made the other night. Yeah, what is it? I don't know. Hold on. Let me, oh, uh, air traffic controller. Nope. Or air traffic. Um, nice. Damn it. Let's see this. Um, uh, you look like Trigglypuff. <laughs> no. The it's motion, not going to be called Trigger uh, Puff. Which would be amazing if it was. I have no idea. Right, it? It's called a pterodactyl. Oh, <gasps> nice. We would never have guessed that. Of course, you have to go all the way back to prehistoric times to find the right term. I'm still mad because I've seen pterodactyl porn. And this is not pterodactyl porn. <laughs> but you know what? It makes sense because that's a position they were in. And I've, have I sent you the pterodactyl porn, Emery? Yes, I've seen it. Okay, yeah. Now, what do you call it when... A woman is jacking off two dicks, she's blowing a dick, and then is getting fucked herself. So extra penis. What do we call that position? Describe it again. She has to, again, pterodactyling, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. the only difference now is she's also being fucked at the bottom, which is what happened in this specific movie. Right, right. What do you call this position? Riding the pterodactyl? Oh, nice. That's just my guess. It's called a towerdactyl. That's ah, amazing. That's fantastic. Wow. That's a life goal. Not for me, obviously. I am a good girl. If you get too wild, be careful. You can pterodactyl. <laughs> I want to keep my dactyls untorn, okay? <laughs> so after they tower dactyls, so let's talk about the ejaculation scene because I've never felt so strongly about an ejaculation scene in my life. I think it's important to also say that you just said the ejaculation scene. Yeah. There's only one ejaculation scene in this film. It was intense. Now, I checked the timing on this. It lasted six minutes. Six minutes. It was six minutes? I knew it. 
I knew it was going to be six That's minutes. That's why I thought it was multiple dicks. Yeah, six minutes. Oh my God. Yeah, six minutes. Here are my notes on this. Slow motions. That was an intense calm shot at 53 minutes. I mean, the music, is this what it feels like in a guy's head when he comes? Because that's what it looks like on his face. Yes. That is exactly what it's like when you finally get there after working your ass off to get there. Yeah. it's. I mean, the music sounded discordant and like a little, it sounded like the look that I see on my husband's face when he's coming. I'm just saying, like there's, there's, a, there's a specific kind of look that everybody gets when they're coming and it's like you've disconnected from reality and you're in this zone that's just you and your dick and all of the chemicals being released and it might last six minutes it's really lasting 15 seconds but i think that's that's kind of a beautiful thing that happened with the six minutes cum shot it was like here's what's in your brain right now i didn't even know they can make a cum shot last six minutes that's i just I don't even know where to take this. It, so they had multiple colors going on. They had the music. It was very psychedelic. It was trippy. How can we describe this even? It really was like if you had put an ejaculation scene in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, that's what they would have done. It really just it's belonged there. After a few moments of it, it's no longer, it's no longer ejaculate. It's art. It just becomes a, a statement on the process and on the experience, you know, that's what it was for me. The same, like, cause I'm watching it going, this is about that moment. It's about the, like, cause I mean that, that visceral connection that it's, this was not just a, it's when is a cum shot, not just a cum shot when it lasts six fucking minutes and there are visual <laughs> hallucinations. There's always seems to be like one specific thing that we go, if you would watch only for this one, for one thing, watch it for this. I say watch it for the cum shot. For me, it just, I don't, maybe I'm not into modern art. Did it bother you, Alice? Did it, did it talk to I, me? Yeah, I, I need to break this down. We're going to play therapist right now. We're going to get into your head now for this. Maybe I'm just used to the cum shots being so quick. Maybe for me, I anticipate it in slow motion a minute two minutes, but six minutes. I felt like they just drug that on. It was a lot. I mean, it's not like that was a lot of cum because I've seen a lot of cum. I've seen, why have I seen a lot of cum in my life? Why have I seen a lot of cum in like one setting? I've seen a lot of cum in one setting. That hasn't disturbed me. But yet the cum in slow motion on this scene was just, it was too much for me. I don't know. Really? Okay. I feel like as a film, they were trying to figure out a way to to actually create an artistic thing rather than make porn. I think they were trying hard and probably failing. They were trying hard to do a creative thing so that I'm assuming, and I could be wrong about this, but I'm assuming so, so that they could argue in a court of law and a court of public opinion oh. that this isn't just porn. This is a statement on the sexual experience. It's actually a thing that says something significant about the human experience. And I think that's why that is in there. And I think that's why they created it. And I think that's why they were probably very proud of it. And it certainly blew my mind that they would go there. So the next scene is actually supposed to be kind of a little bit of a heroic scene where our main protagonist, a guy from the diner, you have to bear in mind that, you know, he's sitting in the audience. He recognizes this woman that he saw from earlier on drinking her beer or tea or... I think it was that seven-minute cum shot that she was drinking. It's very possible you can recognize someone from that. <laughs> 
his whole thing is he's supposed to swoop her up, throw her over his shoulder, and run through the green door with her. And that's the scene that we end up seeing. However, upon action, he grabs his pants, gets a, a leg in him, hops up on stage. He picks Marilyn up in a hero sweep, runs through the door, and through a hurry, he bangs her head into it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Shit happens. And I have no idea. I mean, that couldn't have been scripted, right? I mean, what was going on? Oh, God, no. That was just, you know, they yelled cut and then they were like, ah, yeah. easier on the star next take. So, wow, I didn't know that. And bear in mind, they actually also used a lot of makeup on people's privates and on the body during all of these scenes. So it was really interesting. <laughs> I never thought about crotch makeup before. <laughs> That's not a thing that crossed my mind. I just, I just thought we were getting their genitalia as it, like, maybe I thought that because now we are in the era of bleached assholes. So when I saw everything a long time ago, I was like, yeah, of course this is what they look like. like is it new that they're using makeup on them? Cut. Could we powder the shine on his head? <laughs> no, no, the other one. Oh my God, the next YouTube star is going to be painting their genitalia. You know, we keep asking people to send us in pictures of their dicks with funny hats on them. If you paint your dick like a mime, I'm okay seeing that. Oh, yeah. Send us funny and artistic pictures of the dick, and we're down. You realize what you've just done here, right? Oh, no. We told you, if you just send us a dick pic, we're, fuck you, we're, sent, we're no, published. No, to me. Oh. To me. Your, your box will fill, and it will be with pictures of my dick that you will love. Oh, yeah. I want that. Like, that's Thank a cue. I have no idea. God damn it. I never thought of making my cock a mime. That's going to happen. I want to see your dick with like googly eyes on it and like yeah. feather, uh, what should we call it? The a pipe cleaner hair and like turn it into an arts and crap. Turn it into like those little, you know how when you were in school, you made like little Thanksgiving turkeys, like with cu hand cut out things on it. Make arts and crafts projects with your dick. There's someone listening right now who is into sounding. And all you need to do is put something down the tip and make us an actual corn dog. Come on, do it now. You don't have to put us that far down. You can do it. I have faith in you. I made the mistake when I was a kid of putting a, a Q-tip in there, and I am not into sounding. I can promise oh. you. Oh. oh, my God. I was just buckled to the floor. If a couple of guys can get together and paint their dicks like in the patterns of a Chinese finger trap and then engage in some docking for us. Oh my yeah. God. I will. I'll, I'll be, I just, I want that to be a thing that happens. You know, I've been trying to get the name of it changed to Richard docking. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Let's do it. Cause it's dick docking. It's dick docking. It should it's be perfect. called Richard docking. You know what? I'm going to call it that from now on. You know, he would feel so uncomfortable like hearing that. Ah, uh, he'll be dead before it catches on. No problem. It's hysterical. I love it. <laughs> it's not that we dislike him. It's just, it's fun to watch him go <gasps> sex. Like it's, yeah, it's amusing. <laughs> I love Richard. He's a sweet old man, but he's just so uncomfortable with the perviness. It's fantastic. Very British and very prudish. Yep. We shot him for our movie. So going back to uh, ball makeup, that's what everything good in life goes back to. Can we actually, I kind of want to produce like the first line of ball makeup right now. Can we make that a trend? Two girls, one make ball makeup. I'm working on trying to get together a, a line of cosmetics, Cybabe Cosmetics, a little bit science, a little bit babe. Ah, And I think maybe we can work on getting something that if you are uncomfortable with the look of your balls, 
we can make something that can help you out with that. <laughs> I hope. It would have to be high pigment and hypoallergenic, and it would have to be uh, sweat resistant. Oh, yeah. In the last scene, she has sex with the, quote, hero. It's pretty basic missionary fucking. You guys have any comments on that? I didn't get it. It, it seemed to me like thrown in. I, I was so confused by it. It didn't make any sense to me at all. It seemed like they had a story and then gave up at some point. I didn't realize any of this when I was younger and watched it. Although I don't know that I would look for any story when I watched it as a kid at all. Most people don't. We look for different things. So that was the surprise to me. I was really surprised by the order of things. I thought maybe when I was watching it that somebody had reordered it somehow recently in, in modern time, but that's not the case. The way I'm looking at it, because this is one of the guys who was, I believe, at the one who was telling the story, who was at the diner. He was also uh, at the kidnapping ravishment thing, and he was the one who was fucking her at the end. So basically, this is a Me Too that worked out. <laughs> You know, see, there is a punchline to the whole thing. <laughs> That's awesome. We got something out of that last scene. By the way, I want you to name your ball line of ball cosmetic products, Marbeline. Oh. <laughs> Marbeline. Yeah. I like it. We can do this. Maybe he's born with it. <laughs> Maybe it's Marbeline. Marbeline. I like it. He couldn't end up coming in that scene, so uh, they had been fucking for like well over an hour, so they he turned to Marilyn and was like, hey, let's uh, go take a shower, and she was able to help him out after that, which was really nice of her. Hmm. Good girl. Class act. That's a good coworker. Yeah, that's nice. And one of the things that's really hotly debated, maybe we can discuss this, so apparently critics had debated whether or not she was having a real orgasm in her scenes or just acting. And here's something interesting. So Chambers, she claimed that Jack Nicholson and Art Garfunkel brought her in to talk about a role. Then they asked her for cocaine and basically grilled her about these orgasms, whether they were real or not, to the point where she just stormed out of the interview. So Wow. Why would you grill someone about that so much? It was apparently something that was hotly debated. I mean, I think that people just kind of take it for granted that we don't know if the women's orgasms in porn are real or not and that's fine it's a movie it's not it's there to to help with the fantasy but like why did like the fact that they really nagged her about that seems kind of inappropriate it's an amazing tale marilyn chambers tells this story yeah so marilyn chambers tells that wow yeah i'm i would presume it's true i i also wouldn't be surprised by it jack nicholson come on i am really not surprised <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I know he's he's an overly sexed Hollywood type without question. There's no bullshit in those stories. That's yeah, all real. For some reason, people still want to hop on. Want to hear the best Nicholson story? Yes. Robert Wool used to tell it on stage as a comic, and they were shooting Batman, and Nicholson was there after shooting one evening, and they had all gone out to a club, and Nicholson was just sitting around, and a woman walked up to him, beautiful woman walked up and said, hi, Mr. Nicholson, would you like to dance? And he just looked her up and down and paused, and then he looked her right in the eye, and he goes, wrong verb. It's a fucking amazing, it's an amazing story. That's all he said. Wrong That's all he said to her. Wrong That's verb. That's fantastic. Wrong verb. Wrong verb. Uh, I have said that line now to a couple people myself. I'm stealing that moving forward. It's a great line. I want to hear from you, Alice, one day someone saying you want to fuck and you say wrong verb. <laughs> Turn it around and use it, use it for good. 
<laughs> you know, I feel like that's going to happen sooner rather than later. And unfortunately, actually, I know people who have found out about my podcast who are in my daily life. So I feel like someone's now going to say, hey, Alice, you want to fuck? And to which I'm going to say, I'm actually going to go to HR about this now. Sure. <laughs> So, yeah, doing a podcast about sex or being sex positive publicly, has it been a pain in your life? Has it, has it brought you troubles or, uh, or has it got you laid? Are there any, any good, bad stories about this? Let's see. Uh, there's the occasional person who will say to us, have you thought of your public image? I'm like, yeah, my website's tagline says, come for the science, stay for the dirty jokes. I tell dick jokes for a living already. I mean, I feel like people just don't expect much out of me anymore. I mean, out of as a girl who makes offensive crayons as a thing. <laughs> My favorite part about a girl who makes offensive crayons is that you figured out a way to make crayons offensive. That's what I really love about the whole project that you did. It's genius. It's brilliant. It's awesome. Thanks for sending us two packs. You are a rock star. I'm going to send you to holiday as well. Yay. The holiday pack is glorious. I mean, everybody's always wanted to know, what color are elf balls? <laughs> <laughs> I want that dildo. Let me just put it this way. If you enjoy color names like Ho Ho Home Invasion Red and Mary and Kinda Gay and Respecting Women Under the Mistletoe, I think you're going to like this. Oh my God, that's great. We're in that kind of same territory <laughs> as Cards Against Humanity, only with crayon colors. Everyone gets picked on. So, Emery, I know you're working on some projects. Let's promote them. Well, right now we're shooting a uh, we're shooting a project called Science Friction. It is not a porn. Unfortunately, that project is all about how badly uh, represented. I've got porn on the brain. How badly represented science is in the media and in the public view. So we're talking to scientists, we're talking to everybody who understands how bad science gets misrepresented and the results of science are misrepresented and misquoted and that sort of thing. I love everything about that. You know I do. But afterwards, can you please produce, direct, and edit science friction, the porn? <laughs> the porn parody to your wonderful sci documentary. I will write the script. I, pr I, I will. Oh God, that's such a great idea. Oh, God. It's the perfect name. Come on. I can picture Brian Dunning doing a porn. I love it. Awesome. So, Yvette, where can our listeners find you? In Spain. I mean, you can find me at scibabe.com, uh, over at the scibabe on Instagram and Twitter, and at facebook.com slash scibabe, where I give out daily missives of rationality and snark. Alice, where can our people find you? People can find me at Rational Blonde on Twitter, but you guys can always find us on Patreon, where we have more content from this interview and us just really bullshitting. And we have some p new patrons to thank. Nathan Dinkley, Mr. Danks, Alec, Chris H., Tracy Miller, Sonia Claire, Maurice Struble, Jeff Peterson, uh, Raphael Castillo, Carl, Rich, Andrew Vodopich, uh, John Wingal, Joshua Rice, Amanda Potter Cole, and so many more of you, you guys, uh, make this show happen and keep the lights on. And of course, if you want to become a Patreon and make sure that we always have lube or some extra cash to just rent the videos that we watch, just uh, join us at patreon.com slash two girls, one mic. 
And if you can't afford to spare us a dollar or two, that's completely fine. Just tell all your friends about the podcast and please, please, please leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, give us a five star and leave us a comment. It helps a ton. So thank you guys for hanging out with us this week. So we will catch around next time. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. The green door, right? Don't let the green door. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.